or vote by mail. Ballots can be returned by mail or at the official ballot drop box in the lobby of the Wayne County Courthouse or directly to the elections office, but not at polling locations. Make sure your vote counts. Place your mail-in or absentee ballot first in the official secrecy envelope provided, the one that does not have your name on it. Then place that in the return envelope with your barcoded return address label and complete the back including signature and date signed. The last day to postmark or deliver your mail-in ballot is November 3rd. Your entire elections team is working tirelessly to ensure a safe and fair election, so please vote. Paid for by the Wayne County Board of Elections. Namaste, and welcome to Bodhi Talk, where the intention is to inform, inspire, and empower each of us to wake up to who we really are. Not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. My name is Doug Bell, and I've been the host for Bodhi Talk for you for the past, well, a little over four years now. And it has been, for me, a rather transformative process. And I hope that for those of you who have followed these excursions into awakening, you have found these Bodhi Talk sessions to be helpful as you navigate your way through these challenging times. Now, I have decided to make this my last Bodhi Talk um, for a number of reasons. Um, but I, I intend to pursue my expression of how to awaken to our spiritual nature through my website. And thanks to my wife, Riza's suggestion, uh, I plan to step into the world of Instagram. And I still have a lot to learn about all of this now. But I, uh, I rather reluctantly, but uh, it just seems like it's uh, the right thing to do for now for the for me to just. Uh, look at these uh, Bodhi Talks as something that I um, am I'm now ready to move on to a more independent way of expressing my thoughts and ideas about this. So um, for those of you who are interested in that, I the information will be made available as time goes by. Um, and I do want to express my deep appreciation uh, to the WJFF community. Uh, all these years, particularly uh, to Andrea Andrea Eddings, who patiently trained me to engage in the rather daunting task of engineering the Monday morning shift. And I mean, again, that that was kind of a a real challenge for me because uh, just sitting in in the studio here with these three computer screens in front of me was something that I was totally unfamiliar with. I had not really become in any way computer literate, and I'm still very much a novice. Um, but Andrea really sort of made it uh, uh, more of an accessible process for me. And for a few years, I, I did the uh, Monday morning shift from oh, around 10 to noon on uh, every Monday morning for a couple of years there. Um, and, and then, well, during that time also, Jason Dole sort of walked me through the whole process of developing the Bodhi Talk format for uh, while I did the uh, this Sunday afternoon slot uh, for an hour, and uh, we decided to narrow that down to a half hour. And uh, the program committee 
assess the uh, the title or the uh, pilot uh, of this format, and they said we could go with that. So, again, just over four years ago, I began doing the the Bodhi talk, and uh, but most importantly, I appreciate all of you listeners out there whose support makes WJF possible, and hopefully, some of you have been able to draw from these Bodhi talks some. Um, inspiration, some understanding as to how you can make this process of awakening to your spiritual beingness a little more accessible. And also, if, if not for Pennell Whitney and uh, Edward Cremo uh, inviting WJFF to establish the satellite studio here at the Cooperage, I really would not have found it possible to volunteer as I've done because to drive all the way over to Jeffersonville from Honesdale would have made it, um, well, a real challenge. Uh, so having the studio right here in Honesdale was really an extraordinary opportunity. So my heartfelt thanks go to Pennell and, Wed- and Edward as well. Um, and now for today's Bodhi Talk, I'd like to review some of the essential elements uh, of what waking up to your spiritual beingness is really all about. Um, that that theme, which I uh, describe at the very beginning, like to understand that we're not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. I know that's something that, it, 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 well, it was actually quite foreign to me uh, some decades ago. Um, but as I've uh, engaged in this whole process, the uh, uh, the clarity of what our true beingness is all about as as spirit, having this extraordinary opportunity to move into a human form with all of its complexity, uh, with a very deep purpose, to essentially realize that we are indeed eternal spiritual beings, having, well, I would say, uh, quite a few experiences on this in this human form over countless lifetimes, really. And I know that's something, uh, it might take a bit to wrap your mind around that concept, but to me it has just become almost second nature to think in that, uh, in that manner. So I'm going to just review some of these basic concepts that I've been developing over these last four years um, and really summarizing all of it into what I've been calling the Namaste Principle. I've even written a book called Living the Namaste Principle um, and describing in that uh, format what it is that it may look like to come from this perspective. And let me just review what namaste really means. Uh, To make that greeting namaste with the hands uh, pressed together uh, in a kind of prayerful manner, the the intention that we have as we say that is that the the divinity that that resides with me, that eternal beingness of spirit, recognizes and prays, honors the, the divinity that is within you. <clears throat> so, let's look at that. Um, now, I've often talked, I think, in the past about how there's a a greeting that we, in this culture, 
have used for quite some time. And if we look at the root of that, goodbye, as an old English phrase that goes way back. And uh, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised to learn this myself. And it was some some years ago that uh, somebody pointed out that goodbye was actually originally God be with ye. And <clears throat> of course, like uh, so many things, uh, we become habituated to uh, a given greeting or any kind of process, and it, it sort of becomes unconscious, which is the very nature of habit. It's an unconscious phenomenon. Um, but when it became goodbye, there wasn't even that direct reference to God be with ye. But if we we look at what that really entails, there's this recognition that there is this spirituality within all of us that we can draw from the presence of uh, a higher power guiding us and being present with us is, is something that we we haven't really had that uppermost in our minds. Certainly, most people, when they say goodbye, don't think of God be with you, but um, now it's just bye-bye or bye. Um, and, but it's interesting that it's B-Y-E, so there's that ye there. So uh, <clears throat> what it is that has happened even in Indian culture um, it's such a, again, habituated process that um, even I've met Indians who uh, have no clue as to what the in original intention of the word namaste really is. So uh, that's something that is quite fascinating. Uh, and uh, looking at how, as we really move into an appreciation of the depth of what that entails, where we, and this is the intention I had in the uh, writing of my book, uh, Living the Namaste Principle, that there's a way of being, a way of understanding who we all are, interrelated, like drops in an ocean of oneness, that when we engage in whatever relationship we have with whomever it may be, there's an understanding that down at the very core of our being, we share this unity, this oneness. And so what we're really looking at is a process of honoring that divinity, that, that shared oneness with the same needs and purposes uh, as we go through life. And we may be moving in a very contrary manner. Uh, and there there are a lot of very uh, negative thinking, uh, fear-based thinking people out there. I would refer generally to a wrong-mindedness that is rather, <laughs> uh, well, dominating much of what happens uh, across the planet. It's not just uh, within this nation or within this uh, hemisphere. It's it's a worldwide phenomenon, and I've referred to that as the, the dominant paradigm. And so we need to sort of rise above that, and later I'll talk about mindfulness and how that can be something that we uh, can attend to over time. And what we're looking at then is the process of experiencing in a practical day-to-day -day manner the the presence of a spiritual beingness that we're all part of that 
um, as a higher power guides us. God be with ye. Namaste. And it's interesting. Um, now that we're in the midst of this pandemic, where we're unable to safely hug and kiss each other and uh, shake hands even, um, I'm wondering if perhaps the greeting of namaste might be an alternative way of greeting each other, as it has been for well, actually thousands of years in Indian culture, and as you've uh, also seen in other Asian cultures and other parts of the world, there is that same greeting of placing the hands together um, and uh, in a kind of a, a prayerful, respectful manner, uh, greeting each other. And and now with the risk of transmitting a virus from one to another, we can sidestep that not only by wearing masks and washing our hands and all of that, but to just have as a, a very deep uh, connecting way of expressing our sentiments toward each other using that namaste greeting just a just an idea just a suggestion that perhaps we can use um and i would also point out that this really need not be anything foreign um in fact uh within the new testament there's something that is quite comparable to the namaste uh principle in the golden rule and uh, I would actually refer to a passage in the uh, Course in Miracles, which I will talk about a bit later. Uh, I've recently quoted from this before, uh, that the golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive correctly. Since you and your neighbor are equal members of one family, as you perceive both, so you will do to both. You should look out from the perception of your own holiness to the holiness of others, which, I mean, that is another way of expressing what the Namaste principle is about. And so, I mean, the golden rule has become something that we have just uh, recognized as a very profound guidance. The reason it was given that reference of the golden rule uh, treat others as you would have them treat you. Uh, but you need to recognize that loving yourself is so essential here uh, to realize that when we truly honor within ourselves that divine beingness, that will naturally extend to all those around us. And applying the nam or the uh, the golden rule or the namaste principle uh, becomes sort of a natural uh, way of being in the world, and that gets to one of the other components of what I've often uh, focused on during these Bodhi talks over the years of the self care process. And what I recommend is a holistic approach, which, again, to me, it's it, it's sort of a no brainer. Uh, the the need to recognize that just as we would care for uh, an automobile, a car that we have spent a lot of money for, uh, we would make sure that we follow the manufacturer's guidance to uh, change the oil and uh, do all the other uh, maintenance uh, checks necessary over time and uh, little things even like uh, checking the air pressure in the tires to to realize that 
if any of these things are not done, like going along at a high speed and the pressure is way too low, that, that could lead to a disaster. Uh, all the different components of a, a car, keeping it clean and neat and well-maintained, this is the uh, holistic model when we look at w- ourselves as human beings, that we have a mind, a body, a heart, and a soul. And to address all of those in a manner that leads to strengthening, balancing, and harmonizing all these levels in such a way that we're able to truly cultivate that deep respect and even love for ourselves. And again, that will extend outward quite naturally as we deepen that self-love. And that isn't about egotism or self-absorption. Um, what? And I actually, when I talk about self-care, I capitalize the S to emphasize the the higher self, the spiritual self, not the small case ego self that is, again, in the dominant paradigm. The very fact that we're, we've become such a fear-based culture is an expression of our identification with that uh, very limited, vulnerable human physical beingness, which uh, extends to, well, all of what I call the ego thought system, we identify with our well, our physical body, our personality, the possessions we have, the roles that we move into, and the relationships we have. And all of those are vulnerable. And uh, we find ourselves moving into this defensive mode to protect ourselves. And that leads to a kind of a battleground mindset and all of this ego thought system that I've, I keep talking about. And to realize that we have the alternative to move into a classroom where we're here for a purpose. And essentially that is about, uh, well, finding happiness and inner peace. And essentially that comes with this process of uh, disidentifying with the material and uh, identifying instead with the spiritual beingness, which actually at as we move into that more deeply, we we realize that we can transcend the limitations of that fear-based model and realize there's really nothing to fear. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, so the self-care process is, uh, you know, it's all about eating well, exercising, getting the rest we need, and also attending to our our heart, our relationship issues, and being able to cultivate not just compassion for others, but empathy, to truly feel what others are feeling, to sense deeply where they're coming from, and to appreciate that, and to always keep in mind the essential spiritual beingness of self and other. And so this is uh, all sort of uh, moving into the same process of deepening our sensitivity and deepening our awareness, our self-awareness and our self-control. And then there's that spiritual component, which often gets lost. And many people are now very attracted to the holistic model, and it, it sadly has, has become primarily a, a physical process, and what you eat and how you exercise and rest and all of that. But there isn't a, a deeper appreciation of that spiritual beingness. So what we're looking at then is a process of 
moving ever more mindfully into the present moment. And, and that's where what it is that we're here to cultivate is uh, not just, uh, well, let's just go back to uh, how to deepen this connection with self. And uh, like we eat well, we take care of the physical body, exercise and rest and all of that. But how do we cultivate that spiritual beingness by, there's so many paths. Uh, prayer and meditation are really the, the most direct route to uh, a process of uh, sort of aligning ourselves with uh, a spiritual perspective, the recognition that uh, we have a, a brain and an intellect and all of that, but what it is that we need to cultivate is a deeper connection with what uh, you may call, uh, what I call the witness perspective. And that's where the practice of meditation uh, and, and prayer, and they're very similar really, uh, the process of just directing our mind to what it is that's happening right now. And the more deeply we are aligned with the uh, a spiritual perspective, we're able to sift through those things that are coming from that fear-based perspective, the, the greed and the attachment and uh, the self-absorption and the egocentricity that may arise uh, when we're all about just the, the physical beingness. So cultivating mindfulness, which um, in a short time we'll uh, move into uh, the practice uh, that I call the Namaste Booster. But for now, it's important to realize that uh, although I may have presented a lot of different paths uh, uh, different uh, ways to intervene, interventions. As a psychotherapist, I've, uh, I've come to look at uh, much of uh, what needs to be cultivated uh, in the minds of those people that I'm counseling, whether they're dealing with depression or anxiety or relationship issues. It, it's, a, it's a need to develop uh, a mindfulness of uh, how to approach the challenges that we face. And over the years, I've come across a number of systems that have uh, evolved, and some of them rather recently, some are more ancient. Like, uh, Well, you know, as a, a preacher's kid, I, I was raised in the Methodist church, and I found myself questioning everything, and I won't go into the whole story, but... Uh, I moved into a, oh, a period of a, quite a few years of considering myself an atheist, but I, really what I was searching for was a a path that resonated with um, how to understand who we are and our purpose uh, that was not straying from the uh, path of truth and science. Uh, so uh, over the years, you know, I... I moved into Eastern thought, and that opened me to yoga, meditation. Uh, and one thing that, uh, uh, again, a lot of people don't realize that this is a very scientific tradition, uh, Raja Yoga particularly, that I've studied, uh, and breathing. Uh, we now appreciate how breath is an essential tool that can help us move into the moment and actually reduce anxiety. Like there's one very 
basic breathing coming from an, uh, well, the belly breathing or more technically the uh, breathing diaphragmatically by just exhaling twice as long as you inhale. The same amount of breath on both, but to just realize that if I'm feeling rather anxious, if I can just focus on my breathing and let that become diaphragmatic and then move into exhaling longer than I inhale, and we're activating the, the sympathetic nervous system and uh, not emphasizing the sympathetic, we're activating, activating rather the parasympathetic, which is where we relax. The sympathetic is where there's tension. So if we're exhaling twice as long as we inhale, we're moving twice as much into the letting go of tension as we are into the tension. So this is very practical and actually scientific. Uh, so that's one of the things that has attracted me to the yoga meditation perspective. Then there's A Course in Miracles, which I've been studying very deeply for quite some time. So I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, Having found a path that resonates with me uh, has made all the difference. Uh, I now no longer consider myself an atheist, but looking at uh, a different way of understanding the presence of God. So what we're looking at now is a, a matter of finding a path that meets you where you are. And so essentially what we need to cultivate is this mindfulness. So now I'm just going to play for you um, uh, Deuter's uh, music uh, from Spiritual Healing. And I'd like you to just become present. Again, we're cultivating this mindfulness. And to be aware of your breathing. And again, if it's smooth, rhythmic flow of breathing with the belly expanding and contracting with each inhalation and exhalation. And just having a sense of letting go. Letting go of physical tension, letting go of any concerns of the past or the future, and just moving deeply into this moment, right here, right now, and cultivating what I mentioned before, that perspective of the witness, just observing without evaluating, without, without judging good, bad, right, wrong, supposed to be or not supposed to be, just experiencing the suchness and finding a way to actually love what is as it is and realize that we may not know where things are going when we usually don't actually and it may be that there's something very negative going on within us or around us and if we can just sort of move into that with an understanding that it may actually be the best thing that could happen and as strange as that may sound, it's something that allows us to, to let go of the resistance and to let go of that whole anxious, fearful way of being. So to just look at what it is that we're looking at, whether it's a sensation, a thought, a memory, a plan, to just be present with that and not judge it as wrong or right, good or bad. And I've often talked about adding to this process a sound, just listening to a sound, such as so as you breathe in, 
hum as you breathe out. And just allowing that mindfulness, just watching as if it's a movie. Like if you do this with your eyes closed, there may be a whole lot of stuff arising to your conscious awareness. Physical sensations, memories, thoughts, fantasies, all sorts of things. And to just be present and watching it without getting caught up in the drama of that. And using the breath and maybe this sound of the mantra, coming back to that and realizing that this is something that we can do while we're sitting with our eyes closed, but it's also something that we can do as we're moving about, even driving and engaging in whatever chores or activities. And to just cultivate this way of being present. And to just allow that witnessing perspective to become mindful throughout the day of whatever you're doing. So I'd like to thank all of you for listening, for supporting Public Radio, Jay Merrill for the theme music that you're hearing now, and uh, Thane Peterson, who's helping me engineer the show today. But especially thanks to you for supporting, and remember this is our pledge drive, so if you're not a regular supporter, perhaps you can begin that now. Maybe become, maybe become a sound supporter. And as always, remember, be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste. Radio Catskill has been keeping you connected at this critical time. Please support Radio Catskill. Help end our Quiet Fall Fun Drive. Give now at WJFF Radio.